everybody button up, take a deep breath. Uh, that was a parenthetical thought for all our uh, campuses. Now let's be formal and start the service. We will start with prayer. <laughs> we'll, start, we'll start with prayer and then go. Um, we're going to talk today from the text in Matthew, the gospel. Actually, this, this pericope is in the synoptic gospels, which means Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we're going to pick it up in verse 13 of the gospel of Matthew. It's the one parable that Jesus says, if you understand this one, it will unlock all other parables. If you miss this one, you will, not, you will have no clue about the other parables. And so we're going to pray, and then we're going to jump into the Word and see what God has to say to us today. Father, now open the hearts of every person, the stubborn ones, the ones who want to sleep, the ones who were pulled to church, the ones who still don't want to be here right now, the ones who are haters, open all hearts, soften them so that we can hear from you. God, remove the vehicle so that they can get the seed of the Word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. Yeah, last week I got some emails and some texts that um, I made you stand up for 20 minutes. So I'm only going to let you stand for 10 today. Will you stand, please? <laughs> Let's read the word of the Lord. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew, <clears throat> chapter 13, verse number 1. Everybody ready? Here we go. Read it with me, please, everybody. Therefore, no. That... Okay, which one? <laughs> Verse one, please. <clears throat> Thank you. Well, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's just, let's just give it up for our AV team. They really do rock it, y'all. They really do rock it. They do, they do, they do, they do, they do. Especially the person doing my screen today. I know her well. I'll tell you who it is if she makes another mistake. All right, here we go. That... <laughs> We love you. Uh, that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And large crowds gathered to him, so he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. Hold on. I just got a revelation. They stood and listened to Jesus. That's a revelation right there. I don't have time for it. Let's go. Verse 3, verse 3, verse 3. <laughs> and he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. Hold on. Everybody know this word? Everybody know what happens? I've taught you this hundreds of times. Whenever you see behold, it's like, <gasps> all right. So this is like, uh, this is like Jesus saying, Behold, the sower, the sower, the sower. Went out to sow. Hmm. Next verse. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. All right. So the first, the first soil is called the wayside soil. Everybody say that word with me. Wayside soil. One more time. Wayside so what happened to the wayside saw? The birds came and ate them up. Next one, next verse. Here we go. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. Soil number two. What's soil number one again? Wayside, wayside soil. Soil number two is 
rocky soil. Soil number one is? Soil number two is? Good. Next one. Next verse. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Next verse. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. The third one is thorn-filled soil. All right? Say it with me. Thorn-filled soil. Everybody, all campuses, tell me the first one. Wayside soil. Tell me the second one. Rocky soil. Tell me the third one. Thorn-filled soil. You got it. All right, let's go. Let's see what happened to this one. Next verse. And others fell on the good soil, and they yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Last verse. Here we go. He, he who has, let him. No, hold on. Don't, don't run past this. Here's what he says. He's, he says it repeatedly over and over again. He who has, let him. The assumption is, I know you have ears, but you're not using it. The assumption is, you're hearing, but I don't see the result of what you heard. Now, there are four types of soils here. Please tell me what they are again. Last time, then you'll sit down. Number one, wayside soil. Number two, rocky soil. Number three, you got it, thorn-filled soil. Number four, good. Here's, what he's, here's the argument, and here's the thesis of the whole talk. If you don't see transformation, it's not because of the sower. It's not because of the seed. It's because of the soil. So there are four types of soil. No. Whoa, 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 whoa. So that means one in four are good soil. The other three messed up. So look at your aisle and find out which one are you. Because this set me free. It ain't my fault that y'all ain't living right. It's because the soil of your heart ain't right. So look down and say, which one are, are you? Are you the thorn field? Are you, are you rocky? Are you wayside? And if you have to think too long, you, may, you might be one of them. No, for real, look down your aisle. See which one? Look, 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 look. Look down, it's okay. Just look down your, your little eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're at home, look beside your spouse and say, well. <laughs> you may be seated in the house of the Lord. My, 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 my. We, we, we entered into a sermon series a couple weeks ago, and it will carry us through our anniversary, <clears throat> where we're talking about exile. Exiles, 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 exiles. Um, whenever I go to Jamaica, y'all, and, um, and, I, and I try to speak like a Jamaican, they tell me, you ain't Jamaican. They say, you sound weird. It don't sound authentic. You're trying too hard. You don't fit. It, it, it's not you. It, it, just, just, just speak American. Whenever I come to America, <laughs> they say, you, you sound weird. They say, half the time I can't understand, I have to hear the whole sentence to know what you're saying. 
They say, you don't fit, just be Jamaican. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I end up not being Jamaican, not being American, so I'm just out there somewhere. Now, now, now if you're international, you know exactly what I feel. If you're Nigerian, you go home and say, yeah, mm-mm. Mm-mm. you're not an evil man no more, something wrong. And they, and they, and they talk about you because it just seems like a, a, a shift has taken place. Ladies and gentlemen, college students between 18, uh, uh, young adults between 18 and 35, they think the same way. They go to church, and oftentimes they say, I just don't know. It, it seems like you're so backward, y'all. You don't seem like you're dealing with the issues I am dealing with. Then they go to college, or they go to their world, and they're confused because they don't fit in the world either. So now they're wondering, where the heck do I fit? Where are my people? Which is why oftentimes they make a decision to just push away and say the church has no more relevance to me. It gets worse as, as uh, some of the parents have taken their, co- their students to colleges over the last two or three years. They, 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 they share how, how difficult this is. The years for their students have been tough because they try to raise them up right. They send them to college. They go in the dorm rooms, and all of a sudden, everything is going buck wild crazy in the dorm rooms. And the kids are like, where did I, where am I coming from? I don't, I don't, I don't do any of these things. I don't like to do any of these things, but I don't fit anywhere. So it's the loneliest experience I've ever had. So over time, what happens is the, the culture and our screens wear them down so that they feel they have to fit in somewhere. And all of a sudden now, you have them drifting further and further from God and into the culture. We've been in a series, and here's what the thesis of the series says. It says that your screen is now discipling you. It says the screen's discipling you because over and over again, what you have today is individuals... Spending 2,000, no, yeah, 2,700 hours on their phones, screening, scrolling, looking, lingering, and learning. And because of that, without knowing it, Google has been discipling us. Back in the day, they would come ask you a question. Today, they don't need you. All they need is Google or being to answer their questions. So now what you have is people being discipled by their screens. They spend that much time there. And then when you come to spiritual input, 153 hours is all they spend in spiritual input. You can clearly see the vast difference between the two. Ladies and gentlemen, and that's only if you go to a predominantly black church. Because if it's white, it finishes after about 45 minutes. If it's black, it might take two hours plus. And that's only if the pastor is decent. Because half the time you're checking your phone anyways and you're doing your own thing and you're not even getting spiritual input because the screen is still discipling you in church. 
So really, let's just kick one of these off. That's where we are. And then the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, we have to take some of these apart. And we have to say, really, the only spiritual input you get on a whole year, because you don't spend no time with God, there it is. So now, who you think wins? The Word of God or the screen? And it increases exponentially for kids who don't know any other way to get information but through Google. Are you seeing what I'm saying, family? This is a big deal. Then, the reason this passage is so important is because it gets even worse. Because guess what the enemy wants? He doesn't want the word to get into good soil. So he's going to do everything he can to get the word out of you. So now... <laughs> Now he says, no, I don't want that much word in you. So now that's really what we're looking at. Why? Why, why is this so important? Because every time you come to church, the enemy has one goal. The enemy has one goal, and here's his goal. I want you to be convinced that God's word does not apply to you. It's his whole goal. How do I get rid of, how do I create doubt, how do I bring an alternate opinion to God's word so you'll choose me and my word over his. By the way, he's been doing it since Adam and Eve. Did God really say? Questioning God's word. All they have done is brought digital Babylon so that now they use the screen and because it's entertaining you, you feel good about it, but it's the same agenda. Did God really say? So now, everything you do, you question God's word. Here's why. Because they have found a way to masterfully use the same formula that gets you addicted to the casinos. They've used the same formula of variable success syndrome. And so now, every time you come and you click on this, they think, okay, I might get it this time. And so they keep you punching the button, old school, moving the lever. Why? Why do they do it? Because they're trying to get you to come back and back and back and back. So now, my goal in this series is to convince you that every time you pick up your phone, you're picking up a slot machine and you're about to become addicted. So addicted that you don't even realize it's happening to you. So now you go and the same slot machine makes more money than movies, all of baseball, combined. You think they don't have a system to this thing? You think Digital Babylon don't have a system to this thing? They're trying to get you to make God's word irrelevant. By the way, it happens to, okay, okay, some of you looking at me like, no, they don't, no, okay, good. You know why some of you don't tithe? Because somebody in the past 
either burnt you or told you that, well, no, they're they going to abuse the money. Or somebody in the past told you, well, no, that ain't it. That ain't do what you want. Or if you're really religious, somebody in the past tell you, yeah, it's grace giving. That's all it is. You just give when you have it if you want to because that's grace. Ain't none could be further from the truth, by the way, because grace always costs you more. So if you want to give grace giving, no problem, but it's going to be 2025. They're going to take more than the government take. You don't like that, do you? Oh, no, some of y'all make too much money. Yours is 40%. But anyways, um, all I'm trying to suggest to you is they will bring anything to bear to make you question God's word. So now let's go see what he has to say and why this becomes so important for all of us. This is so huge, you guys. It really, really is. All right, go to the front of your notes and let's see. Who are the people that thrived in digital Babylon and why did they thrive so much? What was it that caused them to thrive in this kind of an environment? By the way, if you got any form of a kid, you better listen to me and you better hope that our kids ministry and student ministry are doing these five. So the research is based on this. The research says that 10% of the believers who were Christians, grew up in Christians' home, only 10% of them thriving are thriving now. So then we have to ask, well, what did they do and how did they thrive? That's the purpose of our talk today. How did they, what did these guys do and how did they thrive? So if you're looking at your sermon notes, you will see that prodigals... Prodigals uh, are people who said, I'm done with Christianity. Then you had nomads who says, okay, I mean, Christianity is all right, but I'm not into all of that. Then you have habitual churchgoers because they saw the parents being habitual churchgoers. They take up the largest percent. You know what those guys do? Habitual churchgoers says, I'm going to go to church, but church not going to come inside of me. In other words, they go to church, but then they argue on the way home. They go to church, but nothing about church is represented in their home. That's because most people, you think your kids can't figure you out. That's because most people don't bring all of life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. What they do instead is they say, I need to save my kids so they don't go buck wild. So you come to church for your kids, believing that somebody at church is going to disciple your kids so that they love Jesus when the number one discipler should be you and how you live your life. No wonder they say, well, if I go to church once every other month, I'm good. Where did you get that from, buddy? Rilo, where did you get that from? Mama. That's what I saw Mama did. I mean, church was just, when someone was going down, she went to church. When something wasn't too, that's when she, but not, it wasn't a regular habit. And then... The last one, the resilient disciples, these are the, the men and women, the young people, that only the 10% that decided, hey, man, we're going to go all in. Ten years ago, people who left the church and said they wanted to have nothing to do with the church, 10%. Today, 28%. I want to have nothing to do with it. You think the screen has not an impact on their life? Of course it has. And we're losing the battle more and more and more as, as, we, as they grow up in an environment where this is absolutely normal. That's the battle we have. And to make matters worse, not only is he using the screen, but now he has an, an idea of how to get you to question everything about the Bible. So anyways, what do these resilient saints do? How did they survive? How did they thrive in digital Babylon? Look at it with me. It says, to, number one, they did five things. 
five things they did, which is what you should do, which is what you should highlight, which is why we gave you the handout two weeks ago. Number one, to form a resilient identity because everybody's going to try and tell you you're somebody else and not who God says you are. They're going to. It's going to be normal. And so when it happens, the only way to counteract that is to have an experience, is to experience intimacy with Jesus. We're going to talk about that. Next one, number two. Number two says, in a complex and anxious age, develop the muscles of cultural discernment. So when stuff get real complex, how can a good God uh, 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 talk to all eight billion at the same time? That don't make sense. What do you mean science and religion? I don't get science. You, you Bible people don't like science. Why, why don't we have more people talking about science as an intellectual who are followers of Jesus Christ? Because when they go to college, they get shredded. And so they say, that's your mama's faith, that's not your faith, that don't make no sense. So we need theologians who will go and, and, and in an apologetic way defend the faith. That's why you need it. What do you need to do? Develop cultural muscles of discernment. What, what does that mean? That means everything your kids watch, you should ask them, what's the source and what are they trying to communicate and how are they trying to influence you? And if you don't train them how to do that, then they will sit by and let digital Babylon influence their thinking away from God. Number three says this, in the isolation and, and when isolation and mistrust are norms, that is, we're more connected, yet still we're more lonelier than ever before. And when that's the world, how, how do you forge meaningful intergenerational relationships? That's why saints over 60, 65, 70, don't you dare go talking about, I need my own space now. This one, we need you the most. You want to sit down on the sidelines. I, I, I can't have you do that because this generation needs you more than ever. I was talking to one of my mentors, 75 years old, and here's what he says. I, I have more impact. Actually, he said this. He said, my impact is multiplying more than ever before. He says, I don't understand my generation that at 60, at 62, when you're getting ready to, to say, all right, it's time for me to retire, that's when you have the most influence. Use it for the glory of God and not just for your own self-pleasure. He continues, next one. Here's what he says. To, to ground and motivate an ambitious generation, what took you seven years, they want in seven minutes. Train for vocational discipleship. What does that mean? All that means is they want to make sure that you're saying, hey man, what's God's calling on your life? If you're going to be a doctor, be a Christ-centered doctor, so when you go there, you don't represent in Christ. You're not just there for money, but that means we have to model that you're not just there for money. But there's something bigger than money because you can't take it with you. Which is why you live for the other kingdom, not just for this one. Last one. Uh, to curb entitlement, which all y'all kids, sorry, all of our kids are, every last one of them. Curb entitlement and self-centeredness, self-centered tendencies by engaging in counter-cultural mission. That is, how do you raise up a generation of kids that realize that we're not from here, we're exiles. And our home is in heaven, not here. But you live in such a way that you want to populate heaven with the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, that makes sense? So that's where we're headed. Now turn it over, let's go to this passage, and let's see if we can unpack what he is saying to us on today. Now, go to Matthew chapter 13, and let's start at verse number 10. I didn't read this one, so let's pick it up and see what he has to say. Here's how it goes now, here's how it goes. Here it goes. He says this, he says, And the disciples came to him, came and said to him, 
Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus, just tell them the truth. Why you got to make a story? That don't make no sense. Just tell them straight up so they get it. Jesus' response. Here we go. He says, Jesus said to them, listen, family, to you it has been granted its gift. It's been granted, one community church, to know the mistress. Everybody say mistress. mistress. Two more times, mistress. mistress. Last time, mistress. mistress. Or synonym, secrets. It's a secret. Uh, to you, it has been granted to know the secret of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been granted. So you're so special, God says, I'm going to give you eyes that you can see what I'm talking about. Saying to one community church, he's going to do the same thing to you. He's going to say, I'm going to open up your eyes if you know me so you can see the secrets that other people can see because their eyes have not been opened. Next verse. So he says, here we go. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And he will have an... But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Next verse. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Here's all he's trying to suggest. It's the seed principle. The seed principle says, when you don't see change, it's not the sower. It's not the seed. It has to be the location, and the condition of the soil. So when you don't receive the word, it's not, it's, not, it's not the person preaching. When you don't receive the word, it's not the seed. When you don't receive the word, it's the condition, or here's another word, the posture of your heart. It is the posture that determines why stuff don't happen on the inside. Last verse, pick it up. Here we go. Here's what it says. Verse number 14. Therefore, yeah, here we go. In their case, the prophet says, Isaiah, no, leave that one alone. I'm good. I don't need to go that far. All right, so here's, here's, here's where Paul is saying. Paul is saying, um, not Paul, Matthew. He's saying, I'm going to give you a seed through the word of God. That seed is supposed to coincide with the spirit of God, and it's supposed to change your soul that then changes your body. It looks like this. Go to your notes now. It looks like this. Uh, before you became a Christian, this is important, your spirit was dead. Your soul was damaged, and, your, and you had a body. So then your damaged soul will influence your body, and your damaged soul tried to influence your spirit, but your spirit was dead because the Holy Ghost was not inside of you. So what does your damaged soul do? The best it can do is manage sin. That's why you got to be careful when you come to church and you start teaching people, especially when you're talking about relationships, and say, I'm going to do better next time. I'm going to do better next time. I'm going to do better next time. Better can't work. What you need is transformation. Transformation only comes with the Holy Ghost inside of you, transforming your soul through the Spirit of the living God, which is what the next chart will show you. Here we go. After Christ, the Word of God, which is the seed comes into and informs the spirit, which then transforms the soul, which then instructs the body, but it all starts with the word, the seed, which is the word of God, which is why the enemy does not want you receiving the word of God. Because then it's going to inform your spirit and your spirit's going to grow, and when your spirit grows, it then influences your damaged soul. 
So now you say, well, the Bible says I should love my spouse. Okay, no problem. So I'll give you three things. Go do these three things. It don't work. Or you say it works for two weeks. That's because you're doing it in the flesh. And you're not doing it in the spirit. That's why transformation don't take place. When you're doing it in the spirit, here's what happens. The, the, you receive the word. The word finds good soil. It starts to grow. When it starts to grow, it then informs your damaged soul and starts to transform the damaged soul, which is why when you get to your spouse, don't you say, not my will, but thy will be done. I died so that the spirit of God can lead. So you're, not, you're, not, you're no longer loving so that you can be loved. You're loving because you have been loved. The difference is clear. But one, you're trying to manufacture it. The other one, the Spirit of God is driving it. So that's why you're not looking for them to do something in return. That's why you don't say foolish things like, well, I've tried, and if God knew who I was married to. That's why when the Bible says something like, hey, man, if they sue you for your, for, your, for your clothes, give them your coat. To which most Americans would say, the devil is a liar. When they sue me, I'm suing back. But I'm going to get more lawyers than they have, so here we go. Let's go. That's not what the Bible says. But you don't want to receive what the Bible says. Because the enemy is at work trying to get you to doubt God. When the Bible says, be, 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 be slow, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, you say, well, he don't know the, the drivers in Texas. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you want to rattle off why it's okay for you to disobey the word and think you're going to keep having growth. Because the enemy's job is to let you come up with a reason why you should not believe the word. Let me show you what he does. He comes up with a hundred, lots of them. Let me give you six specific, this is not in your notes, but let me give you six things that the enemy uses to make you not trust the Bible. Number one, the opinions of others or your own opinions. And he lets those opinions and how strongly you feel about them to say God's word is not real. I'm not trusting that. Number two, he uses past history. So because somebody hurts you in the past, you're not going to believe what God says about your future. Because of the baggage of your past, you're, not going to, you're going to say, I don't care what happens. I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to hurt like I used to hurt. So therefore, I'm going to do it my way, not God's way. Number three, when wealthy and influential people say it. Because they say it, that must override the Bible. You kidding me right now? No, it doesn't. But you think so because of how much time you spend on the screen. Your own desires, those desires well up in you, and you want something, so you say, I don't care what the Bible says, I'm going to do me, and then sin patterns that you can't break, and you don't care what the Bible says, I'm going to do me. The devil uses all of them, family, every last one, to simply say to us, mm, tell God maybe next week, but I'm not doing it this week. And it happens over and over and over again. Now we get to the soils. This is where we're trying to get to. Four types of soils. Tell me what they are again, fam. Number one, the wayside soil. Number two, the rocky soil. Number three, the thorn filth. And then number four, the, the good soil. Let's see if we can get through this and then, and then we're done. Number one, verse number four and verse number 19 is the wayside soil. Please note there is a progression with each of these soils. 
there's a progression. They, do, they add something to what they're doing. Now, this is self-examination time. You need to ask, why is it that more word doesn't stick to my heart and transform me? I'm going to reveal why today. Verse number four, verse number 19, number one, the wayward soul. Everybody read it with me, all campuses. Come on, everybody, read it with me. And as some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Now watch this. Wait, what? They heard. They heard. They actually heard the word. So it's not that somebody's outside a church and they're not hearing the word. All these people in church hearing the word. But when they hear it, something happens. Go to verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, listen, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. On Thursday, um, I went dove hunting. Uh, okay, if you, if you don't like that, I'm sorry. I'm just telling you. Um, that's where I went, okay? Not one other black person was out there. It was all white. All of them. Both 30 of them. And I was the only Jamaican-American out there. I prayed the whole time that I would not be mistakenly shot. I really did. <laughs> but it's a fun little deal. You know, you boom. What's fun? Anyway, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. Don't send me no message. Okay. All right. So anyways, so what they do is, here's what they do. Hey. Even while I'm dove hunting, I'm thinking of illustrations, somebody. So this is what they do. They put these out in the little field, and when the dove comes to get... Uh, seed, they, they get attracted to this, and so they want to find out. So then they just kind of pick them up. By the way, just so you know, I didn't kill any. <laughs> I was a bad shot. So I didn't kill anything, so don't blame me. Uh, the law says you can do it, so I followed them, but I didn't. Anyways, so you have the Bible here. You have the Bible here, and the word's coming at you, and the birds come and take it away. The devil comes and gives you an opinion and then takes it away. He tramples down on it. He comes, tramples, and takes it up. And so when the Bible says, I want you to honor your parents, you say they don't deserve honor. When the Bible says, I want you to save before you spend, you say, I ain't doing that. When the Bible says, um, I want you to love your enemies, you say, I'm not doing that. When the Bible says, I want you to honor those in authority, you say, I'm not going to do it. All that's happening is the devil is saying, you don't want to believe that. You want to believe what you've always believed. Don't listen to anything they're saying. And all of a sudden, before it can take root, because of your posture of not openness, God, speak to me. I want to hear what you have to say so I can apply it. It's not what you do. You decide. Because of something that has happened, I'm not going to do it anymore. This happens every day in church. Every single day you go listen to the church, it happens to you. Because of your past. The invitation then is to say, God... Will you please help me to identify when I, am, when, I am, when I am batting your word away because of what has happened in my past or because of popular opinion? That's why it comes. 
and he takes it away. Wayside, wayside soil. Some people says, Pastor, the church is full of hypocrites. That's all they are, hypocrites. To which I respond, of course we are. All of us are hypocrites. You have a perfect book that you have to live out. Who can do that? Show me one. I will show you a hypocrite. Because all of us are. But then I continued the discussion. And I said, okay, so you're not going to listen to the word because all church people are hypocrites. So then I said, um, do you ever go to the mall? Yeah. Do you know all hypocrites go to the mall? Why you keep going? So I can, do you ever go to the movies? Yeah. Do you know every last one of them in there are hypocrites? Yeah. So why do you keep going? Do you know the person beside you in that bed is a hypocrite? Then why you keep going to bed? Do you, then, uh, then this is the best one. That's a, do you know that the person who put on your clothes is a hypocrite? You know who that is? You. Then why, then why do you keep liking yourself when you're a hypocrite too? So then it's only when you come to church that you don't like hypocrites, but everywhere else, you love hypocrites. Since we're all hypocrites, let's go to the throne of grace and say, God, we need help. Because that's who we all are. So don't let the enemy use that as an excuse to rob you from hearing the word so that you can multiply a hundredfold. Because that's what happened to good soil. But bad soil, wayside soil, you come up with a reason why you can't trust nobody or why you can't do this because you don't realize the enemy is behind it and he's simply saying, don't trust God. Don't trust his word. It cannot be trusted. And you ought to rise up and say, the devil, you are a liar. You did it to Eve, but you're not going to do it to me in the name of Jesus. What he comes in the form of is a bird and takes the seed away. Because the ground wasn't prepared well to receive the seed. That's why before you come in church, you have to confess your sins. And you have to say, God, please forgive me so that when I come, I can receive the word. And the enemy don't raise up a standard against me. So I can't hear from God. It continues. It continues. Number two. Number one is what? Wayward side. Number two is rocky. Praise the Lord. Number one is, is, is wayward. Number two is rocky. So way, wayside, wayside, heard it. Rocky, however, heard it and received it with joy. Let's go, let's go to rocky. Come on. Let's go to rocky. So, uh, and let's pick it up in verse number five. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. In other words, they heard, they received it, and it even started to grow. Next verse. Um, pick it up for me. Verse 20. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it. Read this last phrase. With it with? With? So these are the people who love to come to church. And they love to say, ooh, you got to go to the next service. God showed up. And then the person asks, what did you learn? I don't know, but it felt good. It felt great. These are the people who love to get a, ooh, and they say stuff like this. Ooh, that was a word for me, child. Ooh, child. I got a word today, and it was just, these are people who love revival. Oh, my God. Ooh, I could, I could have run all day. And you get, you get excited about the word. 
And on the way to the car, you're cussing out your spouse. You hold hands in church when you get outside the walls, close to the car. These are the people who you see God move and he prompts you to give and you don't give. These are the people who you've seen God move. He prompts you on your job to be a blessing to somebody else. And you say you're too busy. These are the, you hear it, you receive it. You, you, it starts to take root. And all of a sudden you say, mm, nope, I'm out. See you later. What happens here? Next verse. Here's what happens. Next verse, uh, 21. Let me see 21. Sometime. All right, you can leave it if you want. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when, say this word, affliction and arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. In other words, when times get tough, all of a sudden now it's gone. When the bottom falls out, it's gone. When you don't get what you want from God, it's gone. When something happened that you did not expect, all of a sudden, how could a good God do this to me? And you're ready to throw in the whole faith because of adversity, because of affliction, because of temptation, because of pain. You're ready to throw throw the whole thing in. And my concern with you is you can't just throw it in. That's why you need to have good soil. Hey, bring that out here for me, please. Bring that out here. Let me see if I can get something to eat real quick. Oh, y'all had some seeds up here. I didn't even see those. That's okay. Uh, bring, some, bring some food out here. Y'all got any food out here? Let me show you what most church people do if they got some food out here for me in the name of Jesus. Watch this, y'all. Watch this. This, this, this happens all the time, and I never want you to m- remove this image from your mind. All our campuses, listen up. This happens all the time. Come on, bring it, no, bring it all the way down here for me. Thank you, young man. Come on. Doc. <clears throat> so... What ends up happening is you go to a restaurant and you get, you start off with your appetizers. That's what you start off with. And so you you go and you get some some appetizer. Don't go to this restaurant. The, the, the chips kind of stale. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Whatever they, wherever this came from. Anyways, um, <laughs> church people, one community church. When you come to church and hear the word, that's just the appetizer. That is not the full meal. Don't miss this. When you come to church and worship happens, that, is, that should be stirring something up inside of you, and you should be grateful for all God has done. When you hear the word, the word's supposed to get you excited so you can hear, God, thank you for that word. And you get excited about it, right? And when you get excited about it, it's supposed to then motivate you to go home and study it for yourself. Because 30 to 45 minutes ain't enough 
to feed you against this colossal Babylon. But what you have today is Christians who have forfeited the meal and just go from podcast to podcast to church to church to, to YouTube to YouTube feasting on appetizers all day long and missing out on the meal. You only get the meal when you go digging for the jewel yourself in the word of God. That's why the worst thing you can say, people say this all the time. They don't, I, I've never heard it in this church, but people say it all the time. They say, they say yeah, you know, I'm, I'm coming over here because the word at my church just wasn't deep enough. Let me help you out. Listen, listen. Whenever you hear somebody say that, whenever you hear somebody say that, here's what they're saying. I love appetizers so much, I don't want a meal. I just want somebody to feed me, feed me, because I am incapable of feeding myself. Ooh! It happens all the time when you want somebody else's chewed up meal because you can't eat steak for yourself. In other words, you should create your own meat and say, God, teach me through your word. I am tired of appetizers. I'm tired of salsa. I'm tired of it. I need some meat so that I can live based on the word of God. Please pray that this is good. That's the same one from last night. <laughs> oh, I know why. Stores don't start to cook steak till lunchtime. So that's been outside all night. If I don't make it, <laughs> you know why. Come on. Um, ladies and gentlemen. Can we stop living off of appetizers, please, and start realizing that God has so much more for you if you only go digging the word for yourself. When the seed, yeah, when the seed is planted, your job is to have the posture so you can receive it. And like the Bereans, you go dig it up for yourself to see what else God can teach you from it so that you can then go apply it to your daily life. Let's go. Um, let's go to the, which one we finished a while ago? Rocky, right? Let's go to the third one. So the first one was wayside. Second one was rocky. Third one is the thorn-filled soil. Watch it. The progression, watch the progression. Here's what happens. The response, they heard and they took action. Oh my gosh, they did something about it. And then something else happened. Pick it up in verse 7. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. Somebody say choked. The thorns came up and what? Choked them out. What is choked? To, to be choked means to suffocate. It suffocated it out. Next verse. Here's what it says. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns. This is the man who, watch it, hears the word and the worry, anxiety of the world and Colin County, the deceptiveness of wealth or riches. What did it do? Choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Three things he lists. He says, you get the word 
But then you start worrying about it. And all of a sudden, the thing that the enemy has teed up to get you not to hear the word shows up larger than the word. And so then you say, well, let me do what I've always done. Let me take matters into my own hand and let me do it because I got to fix this because I can't wait on God. Therefore, your faith decreases and your flesh increases and you follow what you've always done instead of trusting God. The second one, he says, the deceitfulness of riches. He says, here's what's going to happen. Because you think riches and wealth can bring you joy today and forevermore, you're going to make decisions about joy today, which is why this entire environment despises sacrifice and suffering. By the way, it's coming. Before the end of the year, we're going to do a series on that. Suffering and sacrifice. Because as an exile, that's all that they did. They suffered. But we try everything we can to steer away from pain and suffering. And we teach our kids because you don't want to get your kids to hurt. So you give them everything they need so that they don't hurt. Not realizing that you're slowly causing greater damage than you ever realize. Anyways, let me show you what this means. Hey, come on out here again, bud. Please, I need your help. Um, where, where my friend at? Come on out here with a cheer. I need a cheer. Come on out here. Let me see if I can illustrate what happens when worry gets your word. Come right here. Come right here. Yeah, dog. Appreciate you. Sit right there so that camera can see you perfectly. Um, so you get the word, and then the text says, the worries of the world <coughs> choke them out. This is what it looks like. <laughs> Just look at his face, all right? Priceless. Just look at his face. Priceless. 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 So here's what happened. True story now. So, <clears throat> this is what happened. The, the worries of the world says, I'm going to get you. No, you got to fight back. You can't do that. You got to fight back. And the worries of the world say, I got you. I got you. You ain't going nowhere. You ain't listening to God. You ain't going to do it. Use your hands, man. Don't just do it. Try to get it off. Yeah. And this is what happens all day long. And you don't even realize it. And it chokes you out. And then you say, I give up then. Oh, my God. I give up. Take it. Okay. Let me just do what I've always but that's not all, because it says something else, and I'm going to read it to you in a minute. Here's what the text says. It gets worse. The deceitfulness of wealth choked the word out. One other translation says, your own desires choke yourself out. So now, when it comes to worry, worry chokes it out. When it comes to the deceit of wealth, the wealth and, and your love for it, your greed for it, chokes you out. But then it switches, and it says, your desires choke you out. That's what this, that's what this looks like. So now when you're longing for drugs, or when you're longing for um, greed, or when you're longing for substance, or when you're longing for alcohol, or when you're longing for porn, here's what happens. Now you choke yourself now. No, 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 don't laugh. You do this all the time. This is what you do when you follow your desires and not God. Keep going, I didn't say stop. And not God's word. This is what you do all day long. And cho <coughs> choke yourself out. And say to the word, I cannot follow you today. <coughs> That's good. That's good. 
Come on, let's hear it for him. Great job, buddy. Great job. <clears throat> and you choke yourself out, resulting in you not following God's word. Don't miss the big picture. Resulting in your screen disciples you more than God's word. Resulting in small intakes of the word of God. Lastly, good soil. Watch it. Good soil. Good soil. Good soil. What does it look like when you come to church? You have good soil. Here's what happens. There's an honest and a good heart. <coughs> Excuse me. Honest and a good heart that keeps the seed. Now, there's a posture that says, God, I need the word to live. Therefore, I want to, it doesn't matter who is preaching, God. It doesn't matter because I'm going to get a word from you. God, it doesn't matter if Pastor Conway is not there. It doesn't matter who, it doesn't matter because they're going to bring somebody that's going to serve up a meal that I get to eat. And so I'm going to fix my attitude when I come inside a church because I want to hear from God. The person, I, anybody else, is just the messenger that God has a word for you. So fix your attitude, fix your disposition, and, and, and be excited about what God has to say to you. So you're saying, God, I, cannot, I am eagerly waiting for this appetizer so I can, I can, I, it can awaken my taste buds so that now I go home and I can dive deeper in the word. So your disposition, your heart, here's what, here's what it really means. What it really means is when you position and posture yourself right, other people will want to be like you. That's what happens. When you position your posture right toward the word, now everybody around you likes you. Why do they like you? Because you're always open to hearing what God has to say to you. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of the opinions that you brought into the service or into the podcast or into the YouTube channel, regardless, you just want to hear, God, if you say that sells it, I'm going to do it because I realize the benefits of it. Come on back. Let's see if we can land the plane. Go do it now. Others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. Here's all he's saying, <clears throat> that every time you get the seed, there should be things growing inside of you. And when there's growth happening inside of you, then your soul will be transformed. And when your soul is transformed, now you have other people being blessed because you showed up. My professor told me one time, he says, if you keep on living and you keep on trusting God, you will see people who wanted to have nothing to do with you run to you because they will be amazed at how you have remained faithful and consistent in the midst of all the foolishness that they're going through. All he's saying to the body of Jesus Christ gathered at one community today is this. He's saying, will you please trust me that if you live off of my word, my spirit will rise up inside of you. And when it does, there will be a hundredfold testimony that will come out of your life. But pastor, they're having more fun than me. I know, but it's temporary fun. But pastor, they got more money than me. I know, but when they die, that's all they got. But pastor, you don't realize it, but their house is better. Their car, everything is better. I see them every day on the screen. Yeah, but there's another screen that you should care more about. And that is the kingdom screen that matters in eternity and not just in the today and now. 
ladies and gentlemen, I need some good soil up in here, up in here, every single weekend, some good soil. So posture yourself now and say, God, will you help me, please? Be good soil, not wayward, not a rocky soil, not a thorn-filled soil, but good soil. In Jesus' name. Will you pray that prayer right now? Just ask the Lord. Lord, will you help my heart, the condition of my heart, be of such that it's not the sower, it's not the seed, it's the soil that makes all the difference. And ask God right now to prepare your own heart so that you will receive every time you open the word. By the way, that's why you must be careful that you don't receive too much word. Because some of you love to listen to a hundred people a week. All you have in is appetizer. It never, trains to, never turns to a meal because all you're doing is feeding, but you're feeding but not applying. And when you don't apply, here's what happens over time. You get so used to the word and you get so used to not applying it that you get in a hard heart. So now the seed just bounces off because you have all this word but very little application. Your assignment is to say, God, before I hear another word... Let me receive and apply the word that you have already given to me by having a posture and a heart that says, I want to apply this now so I can see 40, 60, 100 fold. Heavenly Father, will you help this body of believers, every last one of us, not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Will you help us to be quick to listen to your word? Be slow to listen to other opinions. And then never be angry when your word overrides the world's opinions. Help us to follow that, we pray, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Come on, give God a round of applause right where you are.